Living my life as an unbeliever for 18 long years is a long time to be without Christ. Growing up in my childhood, I had a great family. We were a church-going family. My mom taught us the Our Father prayer very, very young. We prayed a lot, but there came a time uh, as I grew older, as I got into my teenage years, that I realized I needed something more than just the routines of going to church and saying the prayers. I needed something to fill that longing in my heart. And that longing in my heart came even early in my childhood when I would go to school. I would have a difficult time being accepted by my friends because I was different. And I was different in the fact that I was overweight. No one wanted an overweight friend. In my later years as a teenager, I found myself with friends that did accept me, but they led me into alcohol. They led me into doing things that was totally against what my mom and dad had taught me. I just wanted somebody to accept who I was. And then to do that, I I did what they did. At that point, I went deeper into disobedience, went deeper into alcoholism. At the age of 16, I began drinking, just totally drowning my sorrows in that. And I could hear my mama's voice saying, she would always quote the word of God in Ephesians that said, children, must obey and honor their parents and the Lord for this is right or your days shall not be long upon the earth but I think the prayers of my mom and my dad kept me from that and at that point I knew my life was going to be very very short because of the things that I was doing God sent a, a friend into my life who began to tell me about the love of Jesus Christ and how that Jesus Christ can make the difference in your life and how that he can come into your life, forgive you of your sins, take your desires and your wants and your sins of the past and totally throw them into the sea of forgetfulness and how that he can change your life from the inside out. And I asked him, I said, well, how can I have that type of life? I'm not good. I'm not good at all. I'm a sinner. He said, well, Christ died for the sinner. I said, how would he be able to accept me? I'm, I'm just worthless. And he said, he can take that worthlessness and make something great out of it. And I said, okay, lead me into that type of life that he led me to the Lord. And I began to live my life in a whole different way as the Holy Spirit of God engulfed my life. All of the rebellion, all of the disobedience, the Holy Spirit began to deal so heavily in my heart about that way of living. In that conviction of the Holy Spirit, I submitted and committed and gave all of those things over to Him, and He began to change my life. He began to change the way I saw myself. He began to change the way I spoke. He changed my desires. He changed my wantings. He changed everything about me to make me more like him. And as I grew in my relationship with Jesus Christ, I also grew in my relationship with this friend. And that friend is my husband today, Freddie Fry. I became born again at age 18 years old. The biggest impact is not so much on what we're doing together and what we're doing in ministry but it's who we are in Jesus Christ. Just as he made that impact on my life, I want to make that impact on the lives of others, of who Jesus Christ is. He thought I was worth saving, and I think he's worth keeping, and I think he's worth getting. (laughs) 
resurrected life. Our church is filled with people who are not perfect. But we have resurrected life because of him. He changes us on the inside. You know, there was a time in my life, it's a little difficult to think back, over 42 years ago. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. But there was a time in my life where I I really wanted to give up. I, I don't know how to say this except that I feel like I had lost everything. And I, and really, in a way, I had lost everything. My dream, my vision, my hopes of who I was going to be, it was all gone. And I, I was at the lowest part of my life. Uh, and I've, I never will forget thinking, um, Lord, I, I, I have no reason for living. And I, I thought I was going to be in ministry, but it looked like that was over. Um, and I was, in, I was living in Grapevine, Texas at the time, a little place, a little trailer all by myself. And, and I, I never forget that night I opened my Bible up, one of those real spiritual times where you just go like this, you know, and just happened to open up near the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. And I began to read chapter 3, and then when I got to verse 15 and 16, it was like a dagger stabbed in my heart. Because that portion of the Scripture says, I know your works. I know who you are. But he said, I also know that you're neither hot nor cold. And because you were neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm says, I will spit you out of my mouth. I'll spew you out of my mouth. And at this point in my life, when I felt so low, so abandoned, uh, it, was, it was tough because I feel like God was speaking that verse to me. And I thought, Lord, you're piling on. Uh, how much more can I take? And then I, I felt God speak to me. And he said this, he said, the reason that I have to spew you out of my mouth is because you make me sick. And I said, whoa, that's encouraging. (laughs) And then, and it was just, it, it was like revelation hit me that he was right. I had been lukewarm all my life. I had been Mr minimum Christian. Now, I didn't drink or smoke or do drugs, but I still just did the minimum. I I wasn't hot. I wasn't on fire for God. And I'd felt a call of ministry at an early age, but I, I just, I wasn't doing anything about it. And I realized God was right on that he was nailing me exactly and not holding anything back. And, you know, God wasn't feeling sorry for me because I felt my pain. All I could think about was my pain and my hurt and my problems and what I was going through. 
It's like God was saying, forget all of that. I want your heart. And I, I saw like a, in my mind, I saw a long tunnel. And it was taller than I could, I couldn't climb over. And I only could go one way or the other. It was a long, narrow tunnel. And it was like God was saying, Renee, get in or get out. Get serious with God or turn around and go the other way. It's your choice. So that night, I just I fell on the floor in my little trailer. And I stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I cried out to God. I lifted my hands, which was pretty unusual for me at that point in my life. And I just said, God, I come to you no holds barred. I give you everything. I'll be hot and not cold. Here I am, Lord. It wasn't a long prayer, but I was very sincere. I meant it. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know where I was going to go, what was going to happen, but I I was just giving God everything. And so I went to sleep that night, and I woke up the next morning, and I was scheduled, just so happened I was going to go sing and and share just a brief word at a small Christian school in North Fort Worth, Texas. So I went to the Christian school. uh, I sang, and I shared a brief word, and then I was walking out, And a small Mexican lady, she couldn't have been more than that tall, she walked up to me boldly. She looked at me right, and she looked at me. She said, the Lord just spoke to me and said, you're supposed to go with me right now. And normally I wouldn't do that. But then I thought back to what I just said the night before. And I, I just, I'd already told God, I'll give you everything. And I thought, you know, she couldn't be an axe murderer. You know, I'm a lot bigger than her. I, I'm fairly safe. So I thought, what do I have to lose? I said, okay. And so I get in her car. I'm sitting on one side and she's driving, just barely looking up over the steering wheel. And we're driving through Fort Worth and she doesn't say anything. And I think she's going to have a conversation, but not a word. I'm thinking, this is strange. What have I gotten myself into? Lord, but then I keep going back to my prayer the night before. I said, okay, let's see where this goes. And so she took me to a shopping center. And then in that shopping center, there was a church. It, was, it had a sign. It said, a place of worship in a shopping center. And it was a Tuesday morning Bible study going on in that church. And so I walked in. She opened the door. She came in. She went and sat with some of her friends, I guess. And, and I was there. And it was kind of by myself. And, and I sat at the very back. And I just didn't know what to expect because they were singing choruses. And they all had their hands up. And I was already on my guard because I'd never been in a church where people had their hands up. And I had been warned about churches like that, that you, you know, you don't know what they're going to do, you know. Uh, so I was really on my guard and they had their hands up and they were singing songs I'd never heard before because the only thing I'd ever sung was things out of the hymn book. So this is out of my comfort zone already. 
And I was feeling uncomfortable, but I was saying, okay, this is okay. It's kind of pretty cool. And then it happened. Somebody spoke in tongues. Oh, my goodness. You would have thought somebody killed me, shot me. Because, see, from my background, I had been told that had ceased and that it was probably of the devil. So I just kind of got up and I began to just work my way backwards to the door. But before I got to the door, somebody else, and it really wasn't a long message, and, and by tongues it was a language I didn't understand. And uh, a person on the other side of the room then began to speak in English and said this, My son, I heard you in your trailer last night. I heard you say you would come to me no holds barred. I heard you say that you would be hot and not cold. I heard you say that you would give me everything. And I have you here this morning. Well, he had my attention. I mean, you know, I still look back to this day and think, I didn't know a soul there. I didn't know a single person. No one had been in my trailer that night. So there's no way other than God had to have heard what I said and he had to have spoken. And I walked in an unbeliever in spiritual things like that. Spiritual gifts and spiritual, you know, I I just, I didn't believe in all that because I had been told that it all had stopped. And so... I went from an unbeliever to a believer real quick as far as spiritual things. And I, I, I just, I sat down and I said, I'm staying right here. And whatever God has for me, I want it. That's all God needed to do to convince me. He had my attention. And it's amazing what God has done over the last 42 years, because it was several years later uh, that I met my wife, my sweet wife, Vicki. We got married, and what an, what an amazing journey. He took us from Dallas-Fort Worth area to the swamps of Louisiana. <laughs> if I'd have known that while I was in Dallas where we were headed, I would have never gone. He he, re, he do, detoured us through Mississippi, you know, so that we could kind of accept it, I guess. I don't know. But God has done amazing things. And, and I look back today and I see that that was a pivotal time in my life. Switching from not believing in spiritual things to realizing that God does speak to us. That he is a God who heals. He is a God who restores He is a God who cares. He is a God who speaks to his people. He's an alive God, a personal God that is working and moving in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. That church became my home church. And and thank God it was just a wonderful pastor. He was a line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, pastor, teacher, uh, named Brother Ron Davis, and he's just a great guy. I loved him, 
and sat underneath his teaching. I, I was there every time the doors opened. Anything I could go to. And then I would get hungry and I'd go to his house and I'd knock on his door and I'd say, Brother Ron, do you have anything else you could say to me? He had five kids, you know, and he was thinking he didn't need any more, but you know, he would welcome me into his home like his sixth kid and, and continue to help me and nurture me, poured his life into me. Uh, what an amazing pastor he was. And one of the first things that I began to do is, I had to understand what that they had told me when they said all that had passed away. And I want to show you the verse that I had kind of hung on. It was 1 Corinthians 13, 8. I, I later began to look at it. I want you to look at that verse. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, it says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Uh, whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. So that's what I had been taught, and that's what I believed. However, it really pays to read the rest of the verses. <laughs> For some reason, I, I had not been told the rest, and I had not been diligent to see what it really said. Now let's look at the last part, and it begins to explain the context. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Oh, now all of a sudden, the context of the timing makes sense. The then that it's referring to is when we stand face to face with Jesus, then we're going to know, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now all of a sudden it makes sense. Who is going to need a message in tongues standing face to face with Jesus? Who is going to need a word of knowledge when you're in heaven with the Lord Jesus? Who needs spiritual gifts when you are face-to-face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Of course all that will look like childish stuff. Everything will be childish when we are in the presence and face-to-face with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of a sudden, it made sense. And I realized that, you know, they really took that out of context. And, And I have to say this. Probably people have, they have interpreted it that way for one reason, and that is because there have been a lot of strange things people have done in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I apologize for all the crazy things that you may have seen in the past uh, at a church or any church or any ministry. And it is true. People over the years have done some crazy things, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit, that was them. They were crazy. No, they weren't crazy. They just were not balanced. And they didn't have a good understanding of what is really God. And so don't blame the Holy Spirit for what excesses have happened or done or you've been experienced in your life. So it embarked a new era of my life of really studying the Scriptures and saying, Lord, I want to understand what does it really mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that actually mean? 
And I want to read to you two passages and understand, and I read these two passages at length simply because it gives you an identical picture of the same sequence, but a few different things are spoken. And you'll see why I want you to see both of these in just a moment. First was in the book of John, chapter 20. Uh, That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. In verse 21, and again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the disciples. When is he speaking to them? This is right after, right after his death, and he has come back, and now he's been resurrected, and he has appeared to his disciples. Now let's look at the same time reference, but let's look at the book of Luke. And this is interesting. In the book of Luke 24, it says this, And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that, uh, make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. Verse 40. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. So you see a lot of similarities between John 20 and Luke 24. Now look at the latter part of this verse in Luke. 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, it was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. Now, key verse, not 49. Now, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. And when I realized both passages were speaking to the same disciples in chapter 20 of John, remember what he said? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit. I believe that was their born again experience because I believe when you were born again, the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of us. That was the fulfillment of what Jesus said. He said, he is with you, but he shall be in you. But then in the book of Luke, he says, I want you to wait here because now you're going to receive an upon baptism or an upon filling of the Holy Spirit. And he will come upon you and you will be empowered with the power of the Holy Spirit. So to the same disciples, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said also to them, you need to wait here because I have something more for you. And then I realized that we can be born again. And I believe when you get born again, 
The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you for character. He comes to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. He comes to change us to be like Jesus. But we can also be filled with the Holy Spirit for one reason, primary reason. That is so we can have the power and the desire to be a bold witness for Jesus. He knew his disciples would need power. I don't know about you, but I need the power of God to be able to be a witness in this world. You need the power of God to be a bold witness for Jesus. Before the day of Pentecost, and that's really what he's referring to was the Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Before Pentecost, they were hiding in a room. They were afraid. After the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they have the Holy Spirit in them. But now, when they have the Holy Spirit come upon them and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can't shut them up. You can't make them be quiet. If you see, they're, they're having, uh, in Acts chapter 4, they're called before the council. And you might remember the passage where uh, they're, they're brought before the council and the council says, you cannot, you must not speak anymore in that name. And they didn't want to say the name of Jesus. They said, in that name, don't speak anymore. And so they leave that that council and they get together. They have a prayer meeting. And what do they pray? They say, Lord, we need boldness to preach more powerfully the name of Jesus. Look at Acts 4.31, just the end of that prayer meeting. And Acts 4.31, he says this. I'm lost in my notes here. Oh, there it is. Thank God. And after this prayer, (laughs) thank God for the overhead. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. That's exactly what they asked for. They were told, don't speak anymore about this name. They have a prayer meeting. And they asked for, if you read the whole context, they read for boldness, they asked for miracles, they asked for the power to be able to lay hands on people and people would be healed. And it says once again, the place was shaken just like it was at Pentecost. Kind of a similar thing. Place was shaken and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go out and they preach with boldness. I want to tell you, To be filled with the Holy Spirit is the power and the desire to be a bold witness for Jesus. Somebody asked me, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Simple. It is the desire and the power to be a witness. Look at Acts 1.8. tells us that basically. In Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come where? Come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all of the earth. So what it's telling us is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the desire to be a witness and the power to be a witness comes upon us. You know, back in Psalms 133, 
Uh, there's a beautiful passage. It talks about unity, but it's, it says, Behold how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then it gives the illustration. He said, It's like when they would anoint the priest and pour the oil over him. And it would drip over his head and off of his beard and down his robe and all the way down to the ground. You know, they would pour a hen of oil. That's about a quart and a half of oil. So I want to tell you, they are covered with oil. That was a picture. God's a picture of God. That was a picture of the anointing of God that then he would be anointed for service. And I believe... Every believer needs to be anointed for service. We need the anointing, the power of God to be a bold witness for Jesus. And I will say this, that the second thing that it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means that you have to be hungry and thirsty for everything God has for you. This is not something that is just going to happen despite you. It's not like God is going to say, listen, whether you want to be a witness or not, I'm going to make you have this. No, not like that. He's looking for people, believers, who know Jesus, who have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit living in them to produce character. But he's looking for those same believers To say, Lord, here I am. I want to be a bold witness for Jesus. I want everything you have for me. And I need all the power I can possibly have. I want you to anoint with me. Anoint me with the power of God. The same Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Can we can be anointed with, filled, and a bold witness. You think about it, look at uh, Pentecost, what we call Pentecost, Acts 2, 1, verse 1 through 4. says this in verse 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound of, as of, from heaven, as a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole t- house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat up upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is my question. Why were the disciples there in that room? They were there because Jesus said, you need to be there. But beyond that, they were there because they were hungry for what Jesus had for them. Jesus said, you need to wait in Jerusalem. You need the promise of the Father. You need this power. But they had to be hungry For that power. They had to want the power of God in their life. Now, admittedly, uh, did they understand what that meant? Did they understand what that was going to entail? Absolutely not. And nobody really understood what was going to happen that day. All they knew was that Jesus said, you need this power. You need the promise of the Father. And you need to wait here in Jerusalem for that promise. And it will make you to be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They learned or they knew what it was going to do to them, but they didn't really know much more than that. And so it came like 
uh, uh, divided tongues of fire rested upon them. That must have been interesting. And a rushing mighty, mighty wind blew through there. And they began to speak in tongues. But the primary gift, and I always emphasize this, the real heart of the matter is the power and the desire to be a witness for Jesus. And I, I really don't know why people, they get hung up with the tongues or any of the other spiritual gifts when that was never the focal point. The goal was never so that his people would speak in tongues. The goal was to be bold witnesses for Jesus. That was the heart. That was the desire of the Father. Now, it's not to diminish any of those spiritual gifts, but it's simply to say God had a plan and a purpose for the upon baptism or that filling of the Holy Spirit, and that was to make them a bold witness for Jesus. Look at John chapter 7. Jesus referred this in John chapter 7. He says this, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So everything had to happen in order. Jesus had to be glorified, raised from the dead, and then... Pentecost would come and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And look what he describes this as. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. And to me, what a great description of you being a bold witness for Jesus. And it's just coming out of your mouth and you don't even know what you're saying. You, you probably have had this happen. You just were willing and open and all of a sudden you begin to share and you begin to talk with someone and tell them about Jesus. And more than you knew came out. More than you understood poured out of you. What is happening? That's the rivers of living water is flowing out of you. Why? Because you're hungry. And to me, in my personal life, I was hungry. Not only hungry, I was desperate. I had come to that point. I was tired of feeling sorry for myself tired of focusing on my pain and my heartache, and I was ready to get on with my life with Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And yet Jesus knew I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And my life has never been the same since. That was the turning point that I gave everything to him to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, that's what I want, holding nothing back. And I said, Lord, here I am. So let me just talk with you a little bit. How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can that happen in your life? A couple of verses I'd like to share with you. First is Acts uh, 4.31, the one I was looking for a minute ago. But we'll repeat it again after this prayer. The meeting place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. So here they just had a prayer meeting and you know it doesn't really say anybody doesn't say anybody laid hands on them doesn't say something it just says the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the holy spirit uh, you're going to kind of pick up something as we look at it some couple of these verses and that is that there's real no set formula 
for being filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at the next passage. It's in um, Acts 9, verse 17 and 18. Look at this. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you could regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and then he got up and he was baptized. You know, some people get all bent out of shape uh, over this verse because it shows that he received the Holy Spirit and then got baptized. And that kind of messes up some doctrine. <laughs> who says, you've got to get uh, saved and filled with the Spirit, and then you get baptized, you know. Or they think you've got to get baptized, and then everything happens. You know, they get it all, you know, sometimes we try to get God in a box and say, Lord, this is the way you've got to move. This is the way it has to happen. Another passage is uh, um, 11, Acts 11. Uh, no, Acts 10, excuse me, 1044. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. I want to tell you, God just messed them up bad. They had this idea that this is the way you get the Holy Spirit. And they got it while the message was going on. God interrupted the message. (laughs) And nobody laid hands on them. Nobody prayed for them. But I guarantee you one thing was there, and they was they were hungry. They were thirsty. They were hungry. They wanted everything God had for them. And as he preached, the Holy Spirit fell. Another passage, Luke 11, verse 9 through 13. So I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Of course not. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, I want to say, a lot of times I think people make it more difficult than it really is. I've seen prayer lines, and you've probably seen some crazy things go on in your your time. But I've seen people pushing and shoving, knocking them down. But it's just as simple as what he said. If you ask for this, what are you going to get? You're going to get what you ask for. And if we're evil... And if we will give our children what they ask for, how much more the Heavenly Father is going to give us what we ask for? So if we ask and say, I need the Holy Spirit, I need the power of the Holy Spirit, then what do you think He's going to give us? I believe He's going to give us the Holy Spirit. 
And I have found in my personal life and, and just over the course of time not to get hung up or to worry about any of the spiritual gifts. You know, I can't find any references in the Scripture where there's an example of someone trying to teach someone how to speak in tongues. That never happens. But what I see is people wanting the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God does what He wants to do. We become available. Available to God and say, God, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And we say, Lord, I want you to fill me. Fill me with everything that you have. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well that never will run dry. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. There are millions this world who are seeking for treasures earthly things afford but if you'll turn to Jesus only he will give you everything you up, Lord. Sing it with me. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup Fill it up and make me whole. No, Jesus wants to fill our cup. You know, I don't know where you are spiritually, but I do know this, that He wants every believer to be filled with His Spirit so that you can be a bold witness for Jesus. He's looking for bold witnesses. People who will stand up. It's time for the church to stand up and be the church. It's time for the church to say, here I am. 
not hide in the corner. It's time for the church to be like those disciples in Acts chapter 4 who had a prayer meeting and said, Lord, give us more boldness. Give us miracles in our life. Lord, help us to be a bold witness for Jesus and have the place shaken and filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I believe we can be filled more than one time. I think there can be a continual, daily, weekly, filling of the Holy Spirit as we're hungry for Him saying Lord I need you what God is looking for are hearts and I I look back to that day that I told God I would give Him everything and I remember previously thinking I would lost everything and here I was giving Him everything and I realized the only thing I hadn't lost was my heart and my commitment And that's what I had not given to him. And so that's what he's really looking for this morning. Hungry hearts to say, Lord, here I am. I want you. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for a moment. Lord Jesus, I just pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord, that you would work in our heart and our life this morning. And Lord, I pray that all over this congregation, you would begin to make us hungry. Make us hungry, O Lord, thirsty for you. Lord, give us a hunger to say, I want to be a bold witness for Jesus. And Lord, there are people in this room that have been that minimal, halfway, lukewarm Christian. Lord, I pray that today you might speak to their hearts. Change them, O Lord. Work in their life, Lord Jesus. Put a hunger in our heart to be filled with your spirit. Thank you, Lord. You know, I want to be clear about this. You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit until you are first born again. Everybody with me on that? Everybody understand what I'm saying? You first must be born again. Jesus is the answer. He is the Alpha and the Omega. The Holy Spirit's wonderful. It's a help. But Jesus and the blood of Jesus is what it's all about. It's our salvation. So in a moment, I'm going to ask for those of you who would like to, and we're just going to pray a corporate prayer, asking Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit. But before I even do that, I just want to say that if you've not been born again, if you haven't given your heart and your life to Jesus, turn your life over to Him. That has to happen first. You have to be born again. And then the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And you can ask to be filled, anointed. And I pray daily, weekly, monthly, that you would continually be filled with this Spirit, led by His Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand to your feet. If there's anybody 
that wants to be born again, you've never been born again, I'm going to ask, ask you just to make your way down and let me pray for you. Anybody, I want to make time. I want to make an opportunity for that. If you've not been born again, I want to pray with you. Anybody, you want Jesus to come into your heart, change your life. Anybody, anyone. Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. Thank you, young lady. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else want to join this young lady? You want to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be born again? Anyone? Anyone? Thank you, young man. Come on. See, it all it all starts with being born again. That initiates the relationship with your heavenly Father through Jesus. Yes, come on. Got some girls? Come on. Come on, girls. Anybody else? You want to be born again? Thank you for coming. Everybody understand why you're here. This is to ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And this is throwing up the white flag of surrender in your life and saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And what happens is that God gives you a new heart, takes out the old heart, he gives you a new heart. And the Bible says you are born again. And when that happens, I believe the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you. And so, if you want to do that, y'all want to, y'all willing to pray with me about that? That's why you're here? Okay. So y'all out there, just stretch out your hand toward these. So let's pray. And I'm going to ask you just to raise your hands and pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to come into my heart. Make me a brand new person. I am born again by the Spirit of God. I repent. I turn from my old way. And I come to you. I ask the blood of Jesus to be forgiveness of my sin. Thank you, Lord. Give me a new heart, a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want to tell you, that's the most important thing any person will do in their whole life, I believe. Because that's where it all begins. Now, I'm just going to ask if you would be willing to just come down to the front. I'd like to ha- us to have a corporate prayer of just asking Jesus to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And the only requirement is that you know Jesus and you want to be a bold witness for Jesus. Come on. We're just going to corporately pray. For the Holy Spirit to come in our life, to be that upon baptism, that upon filling of the Holy Spirit, so that we could be bold witnesses for Jesus. Everything else is up to Him. We may have more people than we have room. That's great. Hallelujah. Yeah, kind of come on in. Thank you, Lord. And the only requirement here that you know Jesus and you're hungry for Him. Okay, if we don't have enough room, just kind of stay right in the aisle. And if you would, if you don't mind, just raise your hand. You know, raising your hands helps your antenna. Better antenna. We're going to pray out loud. We're just going to pray for Jesus to baptize us and fill us with the Holy Spirit because we want to be a bold witness for Jesus. Let's pray it out loud. Lord Jesus, I love you. I want to be a bold witness for you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit with the power and the desire 
to be a bold witness. Thank you, Lord. I'm available to you. Work in me, Lord, with your power and your majesty, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can use me in any way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's sing that. Let's sing that hungry for God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We're hungry for you, Lord. Upon my knees, offering all of me, Jesus, you're all this heart is on the inside to produce the fruit of the Spirit to make us more like Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you are filling us to empower us to be a bold witness for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Do everything you desire to do in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all the people of God said, Amen.